You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Time is on my side. Yes, it is. There's a time to be hired, a time to be fired, and a time to quit. There are a lot of factors that go into leaving a job. This week, we'll be talking about how to know when it's time to move along in your career. We'll discuss 11 situations where you may find leaving to be the best option. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, uh, speaking of time, if any of y'all out there are by any chance writing Visual Studio Code ex- extensions or wanting to write those, it would be really, really cool if you'd write like a little timer. So I don't have to try to remember what time we started recording and I could just have it and start it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think this is like making me do math in the middle of the episode is probably not a good plan. Well, so we've been talking about, at least at our last business meeting, about getting a recording box. Yeah. Like just for recording. And if we did that, we would have a monitor where you could look up and see the time of the recording. Yeah, but I still want to like talk somebody into making a Visual Studio Code extension just because. Just like a Pomodoro timer even. That would be fine. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Yeah. So um the other thing I'm doing is I'm getting ready for dev space. I just finished at lunch the you know, the layout of all the stuff I want on the PowerPoint slides for the talk about um why your DBA hates your ORM. Yeah, and you sent it over to me and I looked at that uh before coming over here tonight. Yeah. And I, I think I could have done like an eight hour talk on that. Like it, it was really hard to prune that down to just an hour. Oh, well, you might, you might think about turning it into a workshop for a you know, future conference. Yeah. Either, either a workshop or we should have like a course or something. Yeah. Um, if you guys think that's interesting, let us know. And, you know, cause sometimes we listen to you. The other thing that I've been doing is at work, we have been working on specifications for the next version of our product. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't, I think like the NDA covers the fact that I I can't really say what we're doing. There's a lot of cool stuff, but I can't tell you what it is or which product it is. Yeah. Um, But, you know, obviously a new version is coming. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of specification writing. In fact, for the last two weeks, the only code I've written has either been SQL to try to find what stored procedures are hitting certain tables and a batch file. That's like all I've done. Probably less than an hour of coding total. Two wow. weeks. Yeah. Um, so I've had to like supplement at night. <laughs> basically. <laughs> got to get your coding fixed in something. Yeah. Like, like we're, I've actually got a pretty slick command line app I need to show you oh, neat. <laughs> that cool. I'm starting on. So how about you? Well, like you stated, we're about to start conference season, and uh, we're trying to kind of stay local for most of it. We've got a couple of things going on. Uh, I've been working on the slideshow for your talk at DevSpace, though, to be honest, this episode is going to be published after that conference. I'm a little bit creeped out by my choice and openers for this episode. You know, this episode is airing right after Halloween. If you haven't seen the movie Fallen... You ought to check it out. It's a great psychological thriller and really one of the scariest movies I, I can think of. The bad guy sings that in the movie. Huh. So 
I got a week off from my regular project as half our team is on vacation this week. I'm spending it improving our logging and setting up a schema for us so that we can log to the database instead of logging to a file. And then I'm going to create an API and a view for internal users to see the logs. Right now, it's just for API level errors, but I've got some ideas from this to possibly start including UI errors in the logging as well. Nice. Speaking of logging, I have a product for IOTs to help you log your Internet of Things. So let's go ahead and roll the music. This week for IOTs, I have a platform called ThingSpeak. This is an IoT platform for collecting, analyzing, and acting on data from your IoT creations. It collects user data in a private cloud, then uses MATLAB analytics to help visualize your data. You can even create triggers based on the analysis. It works with a ton of different devices, including Raspberry Pi, Arduino, and a lot more. Some of the projects that have used it include a Cadmus analysis of energy use, car counters on busy roads, a tide prediction project, and a lot more. And you can check that out on their website, which I'll include in the show notes. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we got a comment from Jamal on the Blue Collar Coders episode. It says, hey, Beej and Will, I just want to say that this episode, out of all the good ones so far, has resonated with me the most. I have a lot more episodes to catch up on, but this one and episode zero of Junior Developer Toolbox are at the top of the favorites list. Jamal has become an active member of our Complete Developer Network Slack channel uh, with some great questions and contributions. And where do I get in to be a, an active member of the <laughs> Slack channel? You can go to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com and sign up today. But uh, I do want to clarify something. When he says episode zero of Junior Developer Toolbox, he's actually referencing the episode where they were on our show. He oh, said okay. that in Slack. Gotcha. And so that that kind of makes, makes more sense. But Jamal, we want to thank you for the comment. That episode um, about blue-collar coders was requested from one of the Junior Developer Toolbox crew way back before we'd even considered a second podcast. And uh, you can listen to their show and figure out which one yeah. requested it. Yeah, it's real easy. <laughs> but, uh, send us a private message with your contact information because we've got a complete developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer Water Bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Google+, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We're also on Tumblr and Path. So, we've all been there. You have a nice comfy job where you know the ropes. You might think you'll stay there until you retire, but that's not really the world we live in anymore. Um, jobs are no longer permanent, and if you leave too early or too late, you can put yourself at a disadvantage for potentially several more years out of your career. Um, if you stay too long, your knowledge may become stale, whereas if you leave too quickly, you can look like a job hopper. It's also possible to leave a job where the problem can be fixed or to stay at one where it cannot. So you have to come up with a set of reasonably objective criteria for when to leave a job, and you need to do it before you're emotional about the situation. 
you'll also need to start looking before you're out of work. If you know, in some of these cases that we're going to discuss here in a minute, um, and we've built a list of suggestions for just that sort of thing. Now, I do want to throw out before we actually get into this, if every day you're going to work, you're thinking about quitting and you think about how much you hate your job, like you either have to change your job or you have to change your job, you know, in either sense of the meaning, I guess, like you either have got to get it fixed or you got to get out of there. And that's that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about objective standards for situations that strategically speaking are very bad for your career. Yeah, these are not the, I hate my job, I can't stand what I do, I don't want to do this anymore, I don't like it. That's not the case with these. These are, I like my job, or I'm indifferent about my job, it's a job, but they're things to look for that might say, hey, it's about time to move on to another job, another position within this field. The first one is when the environment becomes toxic. Yeah. And of course, you know, we said that, you know, if you're still enjoying your job, but you know, you may still enjoy it if the environment's toxic, like you may be part of the problem. I've known plenty of people that have been very happy being the worst person to work with. That's, that's very true. Or the toxic environment may not be reaching you yet. Right. It, it may be something that you're not noticing or something that you just don't realize is being toxic. I've been in situations like that, not at my current job, but in previous jobs where the the environment became toxic and I didn't realize it. Yeah, and I was I was in one of these situations not all that long ago. There were some personnel difficulties. Yeah. You know, you don't realize just how negative the job is starting to become until the the offender is removed. Mhm. And then all of a sudden you come in and you're like, everything's fine. It's, yeah, you, you come in and you're like. Because you don't notice it. You know, it's it's one of those uh, frog boiling problems. You know, yeah. like you, supposedly you put a frog in a pot of water and then heat the water up. The frog, you know, if you do it slowly, the frog won't jump out. Whereas you pitch it in a bowl of water. I don't know that that's necessarily true because, you know, if, if a frog is looking at you standing over the stove when it's in a cook pot, <laughs> it's going <laughs> to jump out regardless of whether you heat the water up or not. But okay, cool. I mean, you know, it's a metaphor for for understanding that as, as things gradually change to the worse, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, like you said, you don't notice it until the offender or whatever is causing the environment to be toxic is pulled out. Yeah, and then you go in, you're like, "Wow, work just got a lot easier." What what happened? And the more self aware people will recognize, "Hey, something was causing a problem." Yeah. If you're regularly getting into arguments with coworkers, subordinates, or management, it's probably time to go. Yeah, and if you're regularly spectating arguments between people as well, yeah, um, you just you don't want that in your life. Yeah, you you really can't fix other people, and if the situation isn't being corrected, you're better off looking for other work before the hammer gets dropped. And the big thing to remember here is that all these negative and negative environmental things that are going on, they tend to kind of kill your motivation. And so you start being less effective and you may not even notice the, the poison in your environment or the drop in your productivity, but your manager will. And it's really easy to not be the cause of the problem and to still be the one that gets canned for it. Uh, another thing is environments can also be toxic such as you're required to work so much that you have no life outside of work. Yeah. And I've been I've been in a few of those. 
Also, don't count it as toxic if you're pulling the whole team's weight. Yeah, that can be leverage if the higher ups know it. Um, as long as it's not going on for an extended period of time. Like if it goes on for a month and you're pulling everybody's weight and it's noticed, like that's not long enough to go, okay, I need to quit. That that's long enough to go, hey, we need to make some changes. Yeah, and to be able to go to management and say, look, I'm I'm getting crushed here. Because the other thing that may happen is they may get rid of the people that are slacking, or they may crack down on them, or they may shift the work around. They may also promote you. Like that tends to be something that is an indicator that change is coming potentially. Yeah. So don't don't necessarily jump the gun on that. The next one is when there is no upward mobility in your responsibilities. Yeah, I mean, odds are good that you want your career to continue developing because, you know, people like to you know not be impoverished in their old age as a rule. You know, that, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Like it may mean, especially for junior developers, that you get to work on more difficult code, you know, performance critical code mm-hmm. or distributed stuff or, you know, lower level things or just, you know, higher visibility stuff. It can also mean that you might get to manage people or you get to do coding plus other things. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, you know, not necessarily project management roles, but like kind of what I'm doing where I'm getting pulled into sales calls and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting some other responsibilities as well as the development. And, you know, you want to eventually be able to do that. And the problem is that a lot of companies just don't promote from within. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, they they tend to promote from outside. Well, here's the thing. You promote somebody, if you bring somebody in from outside as a management person, all the people there feel like they're still on level playing field. Whereas if you promote from within, it's like, oh, that's the manager's favorite. Yeah. And you get these, you know, you get all the backbiting and stuff. Whereas if they pull in somebody from outside, they, they don't get that. Instead, they get an inexperienced manager, but they don't have to eat the pain of that. The team does. So guess what happens? Um, especially in tech, like you can't, I, you know, I, I very rarely had situations where my responsibilities increased and the level of difficulty of what I was doing increased at the same job. I've pretty much had to jump to do that. Yeah. And I've, I've seen a few articles about this where, they talk about growth within a company versus growth between companies. Yeah. And it was moving up within like the junior developer range, possibly even into mid-level you could do within a company, but it was moving from there to senior that yep. you should like the big jumps from like from junior mid to senior, from senior to management or architect, those big jumps need to be made with between companies yeah and it would be great if they could fix it and not have this problem but it seems to be industry-wide and i don't see that changing anytime soon Um, another thing that can happen is when you are given responsibilities beyond your skill or pay grade like significantly beyond if you've been there for a while then they may be grooming you for a promotion and this isn't a time to consider leaving right you know however if you've recently started and the expectations are higher than is common for your level, or it's beyond your abilities for what what should be at that level, you might be in a situation with poor management. Yeah, I mean, I got I got promoted higher than I should have been um, fairly early in my career. I think it was, I mean, it was probably like the third job I had, maybe third or fourth. Um, but I had like some short contract stints in there. Like I had a, a year and a half at one place, and then a couple of like quick, short contracts and then a year at another place. And it was the one after that. And so I was still kind of, I wouldn't say I was a junior developer. I would say that I was probably like low mid-level 
and they're like, oh, you can manage a team. And oh, you can build, um, you know, complicated software that has to run across multiple operating systems. And no, you can't. (laughs) Like this was, it it was, it was way too much. And I should have quit that job. And I was not able to perform at the level that I should have been able to. Now there was other stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that was, you know, that was why I got terminated is because I wouldn't participate in some other things that were going on. But, you know, I was, I was promoted too early. I I understand that. Um, Before I even, got into tech before I even went to medical school. So I had a job where I started off as a day worker. This was when I was in graduate school, working with adults with mental disabilities. Um, We provided housing and behavioral services for them. Well, I was going to school to be a behavior analyst. So I got promoted to be a behavior specialist, which is the bachelor's level in that process which was great. I loved what I did. I got to go in and I got to work on behavior plans, all the things that I would be doing once I'd finished my graduate program, but at a, at a slightly lower level. I was like overseen by a master's level person. And I loved it. I loved what I did. It was awesome. It paid pretty good. It, it was a really great job. And then our company got bought out and yeah. they did some restructuring. And I was the kind of bottom of the totem for the behavior specialists. Well, they needed more managers, which were the same pay grade. So I got laterally promoted to management, thrown on a bunch of extra responsibility, like the deal of I'm going to school and then I'm going to come back and work as a behavior analyst after I get out of school, got completely wiped off the plate. And it it became miserable because I had no training in management. I didn't want to do management and I got thrown into it. Yeah. And it's, it's really easy too when you are. When you're in a more senior position or you're in a managerial position and you're looking down and you're seeing, here's a junior developer or a junior person that they always show up. They get, you know, they always deliver what they're supposed to deliver. They're enthusiastic. They get along with everybody because that's, that's rare enough. And you go, okay, this person's ready for management. Like it's very easy to accidentally pigeonhole yourself into that before you're ready. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I mean that that can be a time that you may want to go. Hey, look, I'm not going to stick around for this if it's yeah. you know it's a trap. I mean, you may you may get into it, and you you know they may be right too, right? Like you got to you got to think about that. But yeah, if you're if you're getting pinned down like that, I mean it it can be a legit good reason to get out of there. Also, if they promote you quickly or ask you to apply for a higher position than you may be qualified for. Yeah, you may be getting in over your head. Yeah, I've worked at a couple of places that had a. Do you remember? I know you do. For, like Empire Strikes Back, you know, like there's that one admiral that that uh, brings the ships out of light speed too close to the system, and like Darth Vader just like chokes him out, and he's like, "Okay, now you're an admiral to this other guy." Like you don't want to be that second guy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because he's just waiting. He he spends his entire day wondering when he's going to get choked out. Like, and that's, that's it. And so if you're in one of those organizations that promotes really quickly, you know, it may be growth, but it could also be, Hey, look, you know, we hire people and then we can them because they don't, you know, meet our unrealistic expectations. You know, there's, there's the idea of promoting up until you're to incompetence. Yeah. And, you know, you, you need to be at the different levels long enough to prove competence well, not only that, it's just like it's a learning curve. Like you don't, yeah. you know, you know, it's 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 almost like the uh, the spaced repetition thing. Like if you're taking a foreign language course, you know, you might download, you know, the beginning, intermediate, and advanced. But if you sit there and you binge listen to those lessons, and you go through the beginner in like two days, and then you go to intermediate, and you go through that in two days, and you go to advanced, 
you know, either you're a genius or more than likely you don't have the basics down and you're going to fall all over yourself. Oh, yeah. And I think I've talked about this. I have, um, we know a guy from when we were in college that, you know, pretty smart guy. He, he graduated high school a year early, went to college, didn't want to take the lower level classes. So thought, oh, hey, I can go take, you know, 300, 400 level classes. Failed out of them. Yeah. But because he was an honor student, they let him do it again several times before finally he dropped out of school. Yep. And he never finished. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things you need to be able to trust that if you show up and you continue to do the work that you'll get there and you don't have to get there today. So if you're being pushed there quicker than you should be, that's that's probably a sign that maybe you need to get out. Yeah. I mean, moving up the ladder too quickly also prevents you from being able to ask questions and make mistakes. Yeah. And you're going to learn more from your mistakes than you are from anything else. Exactly. So next is when your popular manager gets removed in your chain of command. Yeah. So they may be, you know, yanked sideways and pulled into another department. Um, they may be terminated. They may be demoted. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked at a couple of places where that's happened, where, you know, the guy that you were reporting to is suddenly just another developer and they've got this, this other person that's come in and it's upper management's favorites. I, I've seen, I've seen people come in that are like, you know, CIO level. And, you know, they get a new CIO and he thinks, okay, this team's incompetent or whatever. You know, he fires a couple of people the first few weeks and then he starts bringing in people from his previous jobs that he really liked. So what ends up happening is, is your direct chain of command gets broken. Like when you look at that, that tends to show if it was a popular manager and they were getting stuff done, um, it, it tends to show problems. Uh, mergers and acquisitions can do this quite a bit for you. As do turf wars. Yes. Um, Cause that can also mean that your manager got into it um, with somebody in another department and either misjudged power or, you know, ticked somebody off or mm-hmm. somebody was able to make decisions that maybe weren't the best. When management that you and a lot of other employees really like are suddenly let go, that's pretty much never a good sign. There are some things that this could mean. They weren't doing their job and everybody liked them. This means that the next person that comes in, they're coming in with a mandate to clean house. Yep. And they're going to start at the top. Yeah. Because when you when you look at a managed team like that, you can't necessarily tell what the skill level of the people on the team is with the manager in the way. So they, they yank the manager out first and then they see what the team does and then they figure out who they're going to cut. And it also could mean that they were doing their job and they still lost out politically. And that means that the next person coming in is going to mark their territory like a terrier coming into a new yard. Mm-hmm. Well, this could be at your own expense. Yep. It also means your cubicle is going to get moved. Because for yeah. some reason, it's like it's just like clockwork. You can see this stuff come through and it's like, okay, they're going to fire somebody. They're going to paint the walls and they're going to rearrange the cubicles. Just, I mean, it's like clockwork. I don't know it's why. A, it's a, it, I, I know what this is. This is, this is business psychology. It's a mental thing. Because it makes you think you're coming into a new space, perceive a new space. Even though it's oh the yeah, they're space. repatterning you. Yeah. I mean, it totally is. But it's it's just weird that so many managerial folks like seem to re- revert to that because you know they don't know the psychology behind it. They read it in a book. They yeah. all read the same. Book. I know, and we need to burn every copy of that book. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but we need to go find it. Like I don't normally advocate book burning, but you know. <laughs> um. Finally, they were doing their job and the company needed to decrease headcount. Yeah, that means they're running out of money. 
Yeah. Um, and they, they just start with the most expensive people, which tend, tend to be management or at least the most expensive people that aren't one of them. So it's your middle management people get clobbered when this happens. Um, the next thing to go after that is they go to the cheaper toilet paper in the bathrooms. It's always middle management's fault. Even yep. if it's not your fault, it's always middle management. Well, it's always your problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not an enviable position. But when you when you see that happen, that's typically a sign of other stuff that's that's coming. Mm-hmm. The next one is is one that I like to bring up a lot, and that's when your salary doesn't go up faster than inflation. Um, the official inflation rate is, I think, 2 to 3% or something, which is a total load of crap in the United States. They calculate inflation based on everything except food, fuel, education, and housing or something. It's basically like all the stuff you need to live, That's they, 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 they leave that out of the inflation calculations. If for some reason you eat, uh, you know, pig iron or, you know, other industrial supplies, then inflation, the, the current calculation might be valid for you. But the way it's done right now, it's probably not. It has a tendency to lower the actual in- inflation numbers. It makes it look like it's not as bad as it is. And if you go to the grocery store every week, you can tell that everything has gotten a lot more expensive. If you pay rent or. Oh, yeah. Good. Grief. Yes. Especially like here in Nashville. I mean, good. Grief. Uh, it's it's crazy. So it is right I. Now. Talk about inflation. I left Nashville in 2010 to go to medical school, moved down to Mississippi. When I left, I was paying about $700 for a two-bedroom apartment. Yeah. When I came back in 2014, four years later, that same exact apartment was going for $1,800. Yeah. More than double. Right. I was paying four years previous. Of course, there was actually very well located for the yeah. boom with, you know, with all the healthcare IT, but still, um, it's, it's insane. So the real inflation rate is multiple times what is actually reported. So mm-hmm. if your salary is not in- increasing at least at the rate of the reported inflation, you're just sinking like a stone as far as your, as far as the money you're making. And if your salary isn't growing faster than inflation, your spending power is decreasing year after year as you become more valuable to the company. Yeah. And I mean, that's the other thing too, right? Like you, you should be providing value in excess of, of your pay rate. Like you're not entitled to a pay rate. It's just, it's a sign, right? If, you're, if your pay is not going up mm-hmm. at the level that your value is going up, then there's a problem. Um, and if it's not going up because your value is not going up, that's also a problem. There, there's the other thing. Yeah, you have to be doing pretty well if this isn't a concern. Yeah, you know, because like you said, things like housing, food, fuel, medical care—they're rapidly increasing in price. Your company knows everything is going to get more expensive, and if your pay rate isn't increasing, it tends to mean that you don't provide enough value. Or that it's not being recognized. Yeah, and I've I've got a buddy who actually, I think he, he sets like a yearly goal, and I forget if it's ten or fifteen thousand. He want he wants his income to go up by ten to fifteen thousand every year, and he's done that for like eight years, and he's hit the goal every year. Nice. Yeah, you know it, it's totally possible to do that, right? Um, the next one is when your skills are getting stale and you can't take on side work. It's probably time to jump. Everything in tech, especially software development, is changing rapidly. And if you're not learning new stuff, it can be really difficult to find a new job if your job goes away. I mean, we had this happen to a friend of ours very recently where 
he lost his job because of downsizing and he hadn't been keeping up. like in the time that he'd been there they'd had a kid and he just let things slack and there were all these new technologies that he had no clue about yeah and it took him as a senior developer several months to find a job yeah and i've seen this over and over again um i had a buddy that got cut loose right before christmas one mm-hmm. year they downsized in a month um and they let him know on december 23rd you know like everybody's packing up to go home because management's saying go home and he's got to go home to his family now knowing that his job goes away in a month he didn't you know this was this was a while back he didn't have any net experience he was like classic vb and that oh, kind of wow. stuff. Yeah. And so he had to scramble around and it took him, I think it took him several years really to recover, you know, from the financial hits. Cause you know, you, you end up putting stuff on the credit card and mm-hmm. like you cannot allow yourself to be in this situation. It doesn't matter. Like your employer does not have your back on this. Well, we stated this many, many times before because we've seen it with other people who, who have not done this, but your growth and education as a developer is your responsibility. Right. No one else's. And you can go to a place that has the newer tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and your company might really like old, you know, stodgy technology. I mean, the company I work for, good grief, we, we use Delphi still. No. Um, still and of course, old. Delphi is actually still moving forward. Um, it's just, I'm, it's like not I said, I'm a little jealous of that because I loved Pascal when I was in high school. Yeah. And the thing is, is they actually keep up on the the Delphi yeah. stuff like they're getting they're using the newer versions of it and all that like that's, that's not awesome. um it's it's not like they said okay we're going to you know we're going to stay with XE3 be there you know yeah. they are you know we're doing XE10 and that's fine that said you know yes the company may go oh well we don't want to use the newer tech okay that's cool but here, you know the problem is is I can't get a job using this older tech so you're essentially saying I'm going to lock you in Mm-hmm. to this older stuff. Well, I have to be compensated for that or I'm getting ripped off because it is a opportunity cost. It's a significant opportunity cost that may cost me my house. Yeah, that, that's very true. And we can't say this any more clearly. If you're not learning new technology at work and are, for whatever reason, unable to pick up side projects to learn new things, you're putting yourself at an extreme financial risk. Yeah. Like we, we've stated it over and over again. We're going to keep harping on this. This is just something that I guess partly because we've seen it happen to too many of our friends. Yeah. And it, it's something that's very common, uh, towards the tail end of a boom. Yeah. Right before it turns into a bust. Um, this happened in 2008. Like the, the friend I was talking about, that was in right around that time. I think it was maybe more like 2009, but it was, it was the tail of that thing falling over. And I've seen, I saw it happen in 2004. I saw it happen in 2000. Um, And it's coming again. So like, you know, you need to be learning. You need to stay up. You're not going to do well. Uh, And we've, we've talked about a couple of different ones here, but you know, we both know several developers whose skills got stale at jobs where they thought were safe. Yeah. And that turned out not to be true. And like you said, some of them racked up quite a bit of debt that took years to get over. Yeah. And, you know, you think about all the strain that that puts on your family and stuff. Like my friend, I mean, you know, he got downsized right before Christmas. You know, I mean, that's a really crappy time of year to do that anyway. Like, why why can't you wait till next year? Oh, right. That doesn't show up on the books that way. No. You know, it's like, okay, you just, it's too late for him to curb his Christmas spending. Nobody's hiring during that time period. So, like, he can't really get. You know, he's really only getting like a week or so. Yeah, something I've noticed. There's two two times a year that 
it's really hard to find a job between November, uh, the mid November to mid January. Yep. And then mid June to mid August. Yep. Because nobody, nobody. It's when everybody's on vacation. Yeah. I say nobody likes to hire and fire on vacation. Right. Well, they like to fire. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Firing happens year round, but hiring is a little bit more, uh, dis- you know, the, the, the times when that happens is not the same. And, and finally, under this, if a company doesn't want to move towards newer tech, that's okay, but you may not want to stay there because the company isn't thinking enough about its own future. Right. You may find that the future suddenly ceases to exist when you're counting on it. Yeah, because, I mean, there were companies just a few years ago that were relying on Silverlight, and everybody was saying, get out of Silverlight. Like, you know, these browser plug-in-based deals are not, like, that's not sticking around. It's, it's too much of a security hole. Like, everybody's <laughs> going to clamp down. On, oh, you know, no, it's it's going to be yeah. here forever. And, our you know, why would we want to rewrite our product oh, yeah, in this? Yeah. And all of a sudden, hey, it's disabled, and you've got to enable it, you know, and they've and it just nails them. And now they're reacting to a loss of money yeah, and having to do a rewrite in that context, which is a really, really bad spiraling effect. Well, yeah, because then you let go of your more expensive developers, your better developers, and you outsource to cheaper resources and you get poor quality rewrites. And then you lose more money because of the poor quality. and And the entire time you were doing this, your competitors were moving ahead, whereas you're just porting. Exactly. Very, very, very true. It's kind of funny because you mentioned Silverlight and uh, just a couple of days ago was Halloween. Last year for Halloween at work, I dressed up as a uh, out-of-work Silverlight developer. (laughs) Nobody got it outside of my department. (laughs) Yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's, there's pictures and like... We, we had a contest for the whole department. I, I showed up and like nobody got it. Yeah. At all. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was funny because it was sad. So the next one is a corollary to this. And that's when you are being forced towards dead end skills. So um, this happened to me. Uh, I think it was maybe my second job out of college. And it was a very Fox pro. Um, it was Fox pro access VBA and visual basic five. Um, and I was supposed to be doing .NET and I came in as a .NET developer and the, this was a company here locally that's got a, they've got a lot of other problems. Yeah. And, you know, like I had to, you know, I had to wear like a, a jacket and a tie to work there. Like that was required, which was, you know, that's bad enough. Like, come on. I, I sit in a back office with some dude from Norway who likes the temperature to be like 40 degrees. <laughs> you know, like the thermostat. I mean, you was just like cold the whole time. And you know, I don't get cold. Sounds wonderful to me yeah there were never any arguments over the thermostat when we were roommates yeah well i don't i mean it was too cold for me and you know how cold i like it right yeah but, yeah you're, but the other thing that was going on there was they were like oh yeah you're dotnet developer but yeah we're gonna you're, you're gonna have to do this for like a year or so this other stuff and i'm like yeah i'm not losing my edge right now that's dumb yeah that's that's true if a company is forcing you to learn deprecated old technology because they're stuck on old stuff and can't find people to replace their attrition, this can be a good sign that you want to leave or that you don't want to start working there. It's just, you know, yeah, at all. And that, that one that I dropped off of was a contract to hire and they did yeah. that to me and I was out in like a week. 
Well, I know we've had friends that got contract to higher positions. They were told they were going to get to do .NET, and it turned out to be other technologies. And they're like, yeah. you, you told me one thing, and then you got me in here. I don't have to stay. Yeah, when they do a bait and switch on you, like, how much can you trust that person anyway? But the thing with the older tech is that it's not, it's not that it's old, right? Like, if you were going in and you're learning COBOL, like, hey, there's still systems running that. But if it's stuff that's dying off and the company is reticent to port it over to something newer where where it's actually sustainable. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, like, for instance, okay, where I work, we do, you know, we have Delphi, but there's, you know, and there's only about 2,200 Delphi developers in the U.S. Okay. And it's low numbers. You talk to most of them and they're like, the best way I can put it is I will be 38 tomorrow. And the, my favorite phrase from a Delphi developer that I have talked to is you're the same age as my youngest. <laughs> Um, yeah. and so, that's kind of average, right? Yeah. But there are a lot of them in the rest of the world. Yeah. And I just want to say, it's one thing if they're wanting you to learn enough to maintain it yeah. while it's being ported to new technologies. I, this is something we're doing where I work is, you know, we've got a lot of older technology that we're in the process of porting over to new technology. We're building newer solutions to replace the older technology. That's one of the reasons I was hired on was because, you know, I I know the newer technologies and I can can talk to people and can look at the old stuff and say, oh, this is what it's doing. Let we can make it do that in this new one and we can make it do that better. Right. Because you're talking about stuff like porting uh you know old VB6 apps. Yeah. Or even older basic stuff. Right. Yeah, it's it's different between a stack that's still going forward, still mm-hmm. moving forward. Like Embarcadero tomorrow could decide, hey, we're going to release a free version of the IDE. And there's lots of people that really liked Pascal or that did Delphi in the past. And they could probably have a whole lot of growth. If they released a free version of the IDE tomorrow, I would download it. Yeah, you totally would. And because I loved programming in Pascal. It was yeah. a lot of fun. I mean, they totally screwed up by, by doing the $3,000 seat license thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's nuts. You can't, you can't get developers into this. But the thing is, is that stack is still being developed. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Visual Basic 6 is not being developed. It's not being supported. Yeah, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, either. I don't remember if it was on the our Facebook Live or if it was in my actual update, but I'm on the maintenance team again. And part of that involves me learning some older stuff to help maintain that until we can get to that particular app to update it. Yeah. Because I I mentioned this, I'm like, you know, is, is it good for me to learn this stuff? And I was told we need to keep maintaining it until that becomes one of the things that we're updating. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense to me. Like I, I, I kind of expected that answer, but I wanted to make sure. And when I asked the question, I got the answer I expected. Right. I mean, because there is a big difference between, okay, you're, you're maintaining this till you can kill it. And you're maintaining this because we know better than the market. Right. Because you can stay insane longer than you can stay solvent. I mean, these are, these are all money issues here, if you noticed. That's, that's very true. Now, something that you kind of hinted at is that you may still be able to get a very high paying job in a dead or uncommon language once it's been gone long enough. Yeah, there's Delphi developers in the U.S. that can get $300 an hour. Nice. Because um, I worked at another company here in town that had one that they hired. But mm-hmm. this guy was like, he was like 70. And he's <laughs> and he's he's like, yeah. He goes, I think I'm going to raise my rate to like 400 an hour because I want to retire. And they won't let me. 
like they're counting on me. <laughs> you know? So you could be in that situation. And if you're 35, that's great. Yeah. When you're 70 and you're like, hey, look, I want to I want to go buy a farm and, you know, just live out my days. That's not so great. So, I mean, there, there's an option, but you have to be ready to take that option if if that's the way you're going. Exactly. And this sort of thing tends to happen because companies focus too much on the near term and not enough or not at all on the long term. Eventually, their tech stack is dead or near dead. They can't find programmers to replace the ones who retire, move on, want to learn the new stuff, and so learn that and move to different jobs. Yeah, nobody's going to come in to learn this stuff. Right. So they, they try to force their current employees into using and learning the old stuff. Yep. Next is... When you need to pivot your career, we've talked a little bit about this already, but if you're hurdling past 35 or so, there's a lot of places that won't take you seriously as a developer coming in. Really? Yeah. Because I was 35 when I started. Yeah. It's, there's a place that rhymes with uh, Billicon Mally that's really <laughs> bad for this. <laughs> you notice I don't live there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're trying to get in the startup scene, there's there's companies that are like, oh, you're over 30. No. They don't, they don't want anybody over 30 because you're too old. You and, mean you've got experience and you you know how to... And you're unwilling to work 80 hours a week because you have children? Yeah, well, there's that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, can, I, can, I can see why they... Like, some of the reasons why they want that, but I would think they would and, want someone, at and, least one person that had some experience. And twice weekly office beer pong parties, you know, are not something that are going to get you to go to work every day. Okay, it might work for you. Okay, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, it wouldn't do anything for me. Like, I mean, I, I personally have a pattern of like, if I see a um, foosball table, yeah, like that's that's an anti pattern for me. Like, I try, you know, when I when I've gone to do contract work and I've gone to you know to um, contract to hire type situations, I actually look for a foosball table, and if they have one, I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. Because those things are noisy, and it's it's like okay, you very clearly don't know what we do, but you think that if you can pretend to be fun, that I'm dumb enough to to accept that. And if I'm dumb enough to accept that, I'm dumb enough to underpay and overwork. Yeah, that's true. Realistically, though, this is age discrimination. But also being realistic, you'll go bankrupt before you can get them to stop doing it. Yeah, because they'll say, "Oh, it's you know, you're not a culture fit." Right. You know, which is the way every other bit of discrimination goes on realistically anyway. They just say, oh, they're not a culture fit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the the way around a lot of stuff. And the thing is, though, sometimes that's true. Sometimes, you know, you get someone that comes in and is like super preacher, super argumentative, and you have a really laid back crew. Yeah. You don't want them in there because they're going to they're going to make a toxic environment. Right. And a good manager when they're hiring, we'll recognize that and go, hey, this person is going to create a toxic environment. We don't want to hire them. Um, the other thing is, is as you get you know, past a certain you know, point in your career, a lot of people get tired of coding mm-hmm. or tired of just coding. And that's kind of where I've found myself lately is, hey, look, I've been, you know, I've, I've been writing code since I got out of school. And, you know, my first job was in 2003 and I've been you know, doing 60 plus hours a week since then of coding. And, you know, I still enjoy coding, but I don't want that to be the only thing because I want to get into the business stuff now. And you may be getting to that point in your career that, that that's realistic. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, I've been involved in a lot more planning than I think your average junior developer does. But then again, I came in with a kind of a, a bit of a background working with you that, 
cause them to go to realize, hey, this guy kind of already knows this stuff and can help out people. That's nice. That's a nicer way to put it than just saying that you're an old fart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, the other thing is companies that tend to do that discriminatory stuff. They tend to be startupy type yeah. companies, and their whole thing is very volatile anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you got a family, you know, you don't want to be there because it, the rug may get jerked out from under you, and it's a whole lot harder when that happens. And you've got a mortgage, a wife, a kid, a couple dogs, you know, all these other. Th- you know, travel plans. Also, it can be easier to jump to a different technology stack if you're switching jobs at the same time. Right. For instance, if you want to go to classic VV6, anytime you can do that right on over <laughs> to any number of places. Um, but, you know, in all seriousness, like if you, if you're, you know, I, I had a friend that worked at a, a previous gig with me and he does, um, he does Node.js now and he mm-hmm. was doing .NET there and he cussed the entire day. With entity framework problems specifically, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, you I know, buy it. I, I, yeah, I don't think I don't think cursing is as productive a way to deal with it as say drinking. But because uh, if you drink, you can eventually get into the mindset of the people that made the original entity framework. I think, but um, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I think that uh, I mean, at that amount of drinking, it may become fatal. Yeah, it might. No, I mean this was this was right around the time period there was there was a manifesto that came out that was signed by a whole bunch of people that was a statement of no confidence in the team that did like EF 1.0 or something. Wow. And so this guy, you know, he got into Node really early on, uh-huh. like probably earlier than was sane, and he was doing that on the side, and he finally quit his his regular job and got a job doing Node, and just and he couldn't have moved the technology stack. You know, so like he's in a company that's got like thirty developers. Mm-hmm. He's not going to move that technology stack, but if he jumps over to some other place that's doing Node, he can just you know walk away. And he, you know, last time I talked to him, he's like, "Yeah, I hadn't messed with Entity Framework since then." That makes me think of on the way here. I heard on the radio, Fox Seventeen News is going to be doing a uh, special tonight on people that quit their regular jobs for multiple side jobs, and I'm like. Yeah, I know several developers that have been doing that since the late 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that have made entire careers out of it. Yeah, and, and there's something to be said for that. And if you need to switch technology yeah. stacks and you want to. That's the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, like, for instance, if I wanted to get into machine learning, well, actually, I could I could probably swing that at my current job. Yeah. But, you know, I would have to do a lot of prep work beforehand. But, you know, if I wanted to do... Um, Actually, pretty much anything I want to do, I can do at my current job. I've got a pretty good good setup. But at previous employers, there's no way whatsoever. And I would have to jump. And I have. Yeah. And that makes sense. Another thing, this is also required if you want to switch to a different type of company. You know, for instance, if you want to go from working at a corporate job to a startup, you pretty much have to leave. Yeah. You can't make the corporate, you know, like the 5,000 person employee, you know, company behave like a startup people will tell you you can mm-hmm. and you could totally become a consultant who gets paid 300 dollars an hour to tell people they can and then never do it because that's what they all do but your other option is just go join a startup you it could also be the other way around like you're starting to get into your 30s and you're like you know the startup scene is just not my thing anymore yeah like you know a beer fridge and ping pong tables in the office after a while, it gets old because you got to get stuff done and you have expectations on you. And when people are making noise all day, that means you work late. Beer fridge is okay. 
Ping pong tables, not so much. Uh, the beer fridge is actually not all that great because they never stock it with anything good. So you can have all the you know the Bud Light you want or something like that. Like bes- yeah, well, yeah, but you you haven't worked at a place with a beer fridge in how long? Uh, let's see. Well, it depends. If you count consulting, <laughs> when I worked in my own house, yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah, uh, it's probably been it's been ten years. The reason I say that is back before I got my job, when I was interviewing, I interviewed at a couple of places that had beer fridges. Yeah, I also and wonder they had good beer stocked in their fridges, that's- and and that's why I asked how long it had been because the hipster culture had not brought about the craft beer. Re- revolution yeah i guess that's true i also think the beer fridge thing is probably going to go away eventually because i really think they're creating a generation of alcoholics true um you know like just some of the stuff i've seen i'm like yeah this isn't gonna this isn't gonna be around long Mm -hmm. but you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna be tired of that exactly and you're gonna want stability and on that same note the next point we have is when your life circumstances change drastically yeah, becoming a parent was a big one for me. Yeah. Um, there was a job I stayed in um, a lot longer, really, than I wanted to, because um, I was planning on staying there about six months, mm-hmm. and I ended up staying there three years. Um, becoming was, single, yeah, after being married for a while, can be a big thing. Yeah, it really can, because you know, when or um, you know, or just becoming, you know, becoming divorced or you know, long term relationship breakup. You know, you may sit there and you go, well, yeah, you know, I earn six figures a year, but I don't have to. I can, I can live off like. 40k i can live off 40k and work 20 hours a week and you know sit by the pool the rest of the time i mean that that's legitimately a thing or you may decide to move out of the country there's there's a lot of stuff that can really change you could also um you know develop a health problem or somebody close to you could i know plenty of people that have scaled back their jobs and they they can't usually scale back their current job they have to go find something else Mm -hmm. because somebody in their family's sick that's true. Now, there are laws to protect you in a lot of these instances, but at the end of the day, if you can't do your job and provide value, you need to move on. Yeah, because you're going to know it. Um, and that's that's the thing that a lot of people that go, oh, well, you know, there should be a law for this. It's like, look, if you realize that you're ripping somebody off, that's going to weigh on you every day and, and until it stops. And it, does, it doesn't matter what your rights are there so much as it's just, hey, like, you don't want to be a bad person. You know, another thing that could happen is some of your personal responsibilities go away. For instance, what I dream about every night, if you, and not that I don't like my job, but if you don't particularly like your job and you just paid off your student loans, that's what I dream about every night, you can live on a whole lot less. Yeah. Trust me. Or your mortgage. Yeah. You know, or something along those lines. And and you can, you can work fewer hours, live on a lot less and be happier. It's really a matter of, all right, what makes you happy at that point? Yeah, and it may be a thing, too, where you just decide, okay, now that I have fewer expenses, I can take on more risky work, and I'm going to jump into the startup scene. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you scale back. It may mean that you scale up. Very, very true. You know, This could also happen if you have a side business, speaking of the startup scene, that's starting to pick up. You may need to change jobs just to be able to go part-time and put more focus on your side business. Yeah. I know plenty of people who have, have done that. I've got a friend right now that's trying to get his thing going and he has cut back. Well, he hadn't really cut back his hours. He shifted it. So he's doing like four 10 hour days. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, he works on his Friday and Saturday. He works on his stuff and Sunday, he takes a day off. It's the same guy that's raised his income by, you know, 10 to 15 K a year 
yeah. for all that time. The next reason you might want to leave your current job is when you get written up. Seriously. If this happens and you get demoted, lose privileges, like working from home, or get put on an improvement plan, you need to start looking. Yeah. I mean, they, they act like that's something, oh, well, we want to keep you around and we want to fix this. Um, almost no company actually wants to fix it. They want to do their due diligence so that you don't file for unemployment. So they can fire you with cause and you don't ding them. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what the HR department is there for. It's not to protect you. It's to protect the employer. And they, they go through this sequence of steps. They just showed, you know, they showed the cards in their hand when they do that. And that when that hand is dealt, you don't want to be sitting across the table. So totally get out of there if that happens. This is irrelevant if you deserve it or not. Either you're not capable of doing the job or you're not motivated to do the job or are being brought in on trumped up charges and justifications as a prelude to letting you go. Yeah. And that I've seen that one happen in quite a few places mm-hmm. where he, you know, we're going to reduce headcount and, you know, global evil megacorp bought us up and the way they want to do that and not, you know, get dinged is they put people on improvement plans that are doing just fine. You know, I, I've had this happen to me where I saw the writing on the wall and yeah. left and I, I recognized what was going on. I'm like, okay, they're, they're preparing a case to get rid of me. Yeah. So when that happened, I turned in my two week notice Yeah. and I remember going to, to school that afternoon at a statistics class and I sat with my friends I said, yeah, I just, just put in my two week notice at work. And they're like, Oh, you got another job? I'm like, Nope, that's not like you. You never quit before you have another job. Told them what happened. And they're like, yeah, you're better off quitting. Yeah. It's better to control the timing. Yeah. And sure enough, like I said that one of my friends was like, Hey, we're hiring where I work. You know, you're, you're more than qualified for it. So I ended up getting, that's how I got the job at the psychiatric hospital that I had for what, like five or so years that just, I loved. Yeah. And one of my best jobs was kind of the same deal. I I didn't quite get written up, but I got told I was not a team player and I would not be allowed to work from home. Um, and it was as a result of staying home with my daughter when she was sick. Yeah. I took a day off. Like I didn't say, okay, I'm going to work from home. You know, I have an infant that's puking all over the place. You're not going to work from home. You're, you're out. And because I didn't answer or because I was not in a hurry to answer one of their phone calls when I literally had vomit all over me. You know, and you were not at work. You had taken a sick day for that. Right. And then it was, it was, and it was one of those things where I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is trumped up. Like right after that discussion, one of my friends, one of my friends had reached out to me on LinkedIn about potentially doing some work for him. <laughs> you know, I was going to do that as, as you know, initially as side work. And I just, I contacted him and said, Hey, would, would it be possible for me to work 40 hours a week for you guys? I know you said you're understaffed. And they're like, yeah. And so I turned in my notice like two hours after the conversation. Yeah. You know, and I was out of there. And I could still go back there and do contract work for that company. Because that's the other thing that happens. If you get kind of written up or put in that position, the quicker you get out of there, the less time that has to get seated in people's brains. Right. What's going on. Yeah. And you look, you, you look like you left on your, on your own terms. And right. it's and a power thing. That's why I left when I did it. At- the job that I had, you're far better off to control the timing of your exit instead of having it done for you. Yep. And the final point we have is when the company is acquired and a big change in direction is coming. Yeah. And I want to encourage people not to immediately jump when your company gets acquired Mm -hmm. because it's going to happen. 
and and sometimes it's great. I mean, but mm-hmm. you need to leave as soon as you start seeing the warning signs of something bad going on. When you start seeing new management and a lot of new rules and policies, um, that means your company isn't being acquired as a valuable asset, but is being absorbed into another company. Now, this this can be a good thing if the acquirer is better than where you were working before. But if they are not, and you'll probably see the uh, evidence of that pretty early on, that's not a good thing. A lot of times when a company is acquired, people who want to hire their employees are on the lookout for people who are looking for greener pastures. So that is the time to jump. If you sit, you know, if you wait around for, you know, eight months, a year, something like that, it can be a lot more difficult to make the transit transition out of there. Whereas if your company just got bought out and it's in the news, the recruiters are already waiting. There's already people that have said, Hey, these people might be a good fit. And it's a lot easier to make that transition if you see any warning sign whatsoever. So that's the time you want to jump. Um, I can tell you that from personal experience. You don't you don't want to hang around you know a year after an acquisition if it's if it's a bad one. You, you want to get out early while everybody's still looking, chomping at the bit. Yeah, it can be hard to make the decision to quit a job. I've had to make that decision. Will's had to make that decision, and it's not easy. You're probably around your coworkers at least as much as you're around your immediate family. That can be a hard bond to break. Nevertheless, sometimes you got to get out of a situation that can be unfavorable for you. Sometimes opportunity knocks too, and you'd be crazy not to go. And, you know, this happened with the boss that hired me at my current job. He got the offer for his dream job, and he didn't plan on leaving for a few years, but he just got this offer out of the blue, and he... He had to take it and no one blamed him because it was the dream, you know, it was the job that he'd been wanting. Use what we've talked about to help you determine if it's the right time to leave. That pretty much wraps it up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, the key thing here is to remember that your employment is an exchange of value. You aren't obligated to stay in a bad job any more than you're obligated to stay in any other bad relationship. You, you have to be getting something out of it that's worth sticking around. Ultimately, if you don't provide value in excess of what you cost, you can expect to eventually get cut loose. That may take a while because people aren't necessarily all that smart, but it'll eventually happen. And if you do provide value in excess of what you cost, you can expect to get cut loose eventually as well. Everything changes. You'll eventually get cut loose. That's just the nature of the game. You're obliged by market forces to try and get your compensation as close to the value you provide as possible. And your employer is obliged by those same forces to try to get it as low as possible. Both of you have to participate in this or you both suffer. Whether we like it or not, we have an obligation to not break the mechanism of price discovery, because if we do, we end up creating more problems than we would if we just go along with it because it's the way the system works. So I just encourage everybody out there to get at peace with this concept and to realize that you have to provide value to get value in exchange, and you should try to get as much value as possible for the value you're providing. That's all I got. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Stand By for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. 
For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.